What up, y'all? I'm Rajay. And I'm Shy, and welcome to the RXS Podcast. The podcast where we provide inspiration, motivation, and information to the music community. Yes, let's go. So what are we talking about today, babe? We're talking about music. We're talking about the dentist, like actual teeth. Okay. We're talking about the rise and grind Let's of a go. musician, the rise and grind of a band. A pretty good conversation. A fellow 252 native. <laughs> gang, gang, gang. Um, I hope y'all enjoy this for real because there was a lot of insight in this yeah, one. absolutely. Um, there was a lot of nuggets that I think could help people who do music but don't just do music. Yeah. People who start off in the music field and then find themselves drifting to other areas to um, pursue destiny or to have an occupation or however it goes. Just this conversation is sort of enlightenment on how purpose can be fulfilled whether you do music or not. So I hope y'all enjoy. We out. What up, y'all? I'm here with my guy Brandon Ham. What's good, brother? What's up? How are hey, y'all? it's good to see you. It's been how long? It's been it's been some years now, has it? Yeah, it's yeah. it's been like. Babe, how long you think it's been? Uh, Julie was like four, so it's been at least eight years. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, wow, that'll make you feel old real quick. <laughs> what you been up to? You know, just uh, being dad, being husband. Being brother, yeah, all 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 the stuff, you know. Yeah, it's working. Yeah, yeah, man. So I'm gonna take you back from the top. Okay, where is Brandon Ham from? Uh, Brandon Ham is from Little Old Wilson, North Carolina. Two five yeah. in the building. That's right, two five two. <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people say Wilson, <laughs> like there's a T, and that's just something we're known for. I mean, if you go into Chick Fil A, it says Wilson. So. <laughs> You know? I ain't even never paid attention yeah, to that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, a lot of people don't go inside anymore. So if you get a chance to go inside, it's right there. On the <laughs> That's <way. laughs> crazy. So born and raised in Wilson. Yep, yep. Um, um was music a part of your life from the beginning? Yeah, I would say so just because um uh my mom was a music major and she's got one of the most beautiful voices like I've ever heard. Like even when I put her in the studio before, um, like you know, you can see the wave file of her voice. Like if you put it into like a tuning program and it was like absolutely perfect. Like couldn't, wow. couldn't make it any more perfect. And I'm like, yo. Wow. So, so she's gifted. Um, my dad, he's, he's slightly gifted in some ways. Uh, he's definitely more of an entertainer than a musician. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, okay. um, so I've definitely got it in my life. Um, I did, I grew up in church with music around me all the time. But I didn't really, really dive into it until I was about eleven, maybe. Okay. Yeah. So. And what made you dive into it? Mm, so my mom had this like classical guitar sitting in like a like a closet for forever that she had when she was in school, and I would look at it and I'd play with it a little bit. Didn't really know how to play it and stuff, and but it was always there. Um, but then uh, I think when I started. When I was old enough to kind of go buy my own like albums and stuff, yeah. So um, the very first one I ever got was uh, this group called DC Talk. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that was the first musical influence in my life. Uh huh. Um, so it, it was because my mom was, she took me to a, a Christian music store. And she, I think she felt like you can go get whatever you want and it, I ain't got to worry about it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's just say there was one time she was getting ready for church and she went to go get the boom box to practice her song. And there was a Busta Rhyme CD in there. <laughs> and so she was a little cautious of what I bought. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, That's hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, um, the that was the first. And that was on a tape, man. That wasn't even on a CD. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was a tape player. Wow. So I am, I, I'm, but you had a Busta Rhymes cassette. No, 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 oh. no. no. <laughs> I, had a, I had a DC Talk cassette. Oh, DC yeah. Talk cassette. Yeah. I got you. So that was my first, and literally my second and third albums um, were given to me, mm-hmm. but I, I think it's crazy that somebody picked this out for me, but I think it's awesome at the same time, it was Mar- Mariah Carey. Wow. Um, with the, the Butterfly yeah. album. Yeah. And then um, Boys to Men 2, the remix collection. Yeah. So that, that was literally my first three albums. Wow. Yeah. So after getting those albums is that when you decided, like, I think I want to do this? Um, well, I think, man, I think growing up in church and, and like, had, there was, like, a, a, a praise group and youth and stuff, and I was always involved in that. And so I thought it was kind of cool to see people playing the guitar. And then, um, and then I kind of fell in love with it in church. Now, when I really, really, like, was like, there's no turning back, which is it's kind of opposite from church, but um, I, I fell in love with this band called Blink-182. Yeah, yeah, boy. And um, they, I don't know, like, I think the guitar parts were, like, simple enough because, I mean, it's like pop punk. You know, you don't yeah. have to be hard with that to make good music. <laughs> yeah. And I figured out, like, oh, man, I can, I can kind of play this stuff. And it's fun because I'm, like, you know, I'm keeping up. And yeah. you know, I know how to play this song now. So... And then their attitude of, like, the teenage, like, they didn't really care. They just kind of had fun. I think at that time in my life when I was around, like, 14 or 15, that's when I was, like, you know, I just fell in love with it. Were you a rebellious kid at this point? Man, not compared to, like, my other rebellious friends, (laughs) you know. You, know, you were like you were like Christian rebellious. Kind of, yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like I knew I wasn't supposed to do this, this, and this for sure, but I, I would kind of take it to that limit. Um, yeah, I never, I never got arrested or anything. So I mean, that's you, you can take me out of that category. But yeah, I definitely always, um, always tried to live my life to like according to what jesus says yeah but it, when you're a teenager it's hard to do you know sometimes. okay okay so let's talk about that you're a teenager yeah you grew up in church mm-hmm. so you know right from wrong sorta yeah yeah and you're trying to walk the line between living a biblical life mm-hmm. and being a teenager yeah and i think when you're when you surround yourself with other like you know christ-like individuals um as teenagers you you're all still that same teenager you know going through the same teenage stuff you just have people that are more likely to 
steer you in a better direction, I guess. Yeah. I feel like that's what mostly like what being a teenager is, man. And it's been, and I'm talking about it as a 37 year old guy. So I'm, I'm like, what, 15 years (laughs) removed from that or something like that or more. Yeah. So like, it's been a while, but from what I best remember, you know, it's all about who you surround yourself with. Yeah. So were your friends kind of chosen for you? Based on proximity, or did you kind of have a hand in, like, choosing who you were going to hang around? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there might have been a couple friends, but my parents were like, nah, 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 don't, there's no second date there, or there's no hanging out. But but for the most part, I felt like they kind of trusted me. Um, but I, I was always a person that was friends with just, like, so many different kinds of people, mm-hmm. and, like... And, and like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, like, when I, when I ended up going to high school, like, I didn't really fit into, like, one click here yeah. or there. But I was always cool with every person from yes. every click. Where, where do you think that came from? Man, I mean, maybe a little bit from church, just, like, always being told that, you know, you should love everybody no matter what they look like or where they come from or how much money they got. Yeah. But just, um, I don't know, I guess it's just most of the friends I, I hung out with, you know, their parents didn't do the same thing mine did. Um, a lot of them didn't look the same that I did. Um, or, and I knew that some of them didn't come from a lot, and then some of them did. Yeah. But, it, well, but when you're having fun, it, you don't really think about those things that much. Yeah. So. And it's crazy. How old were you then? Mm. So, I mean, I started playing guitar when I was like 13, and that's when I really started to kind of build up like who I thought I was going to be, mm. I guess. And so, um, and, and I think the music I listened to helped have a whole bunch of different kind of friends. So, okay, let's talk about it. What yeah. kind of music did you listen to? Well, like I said, so I mean, I was, I started off in like this pop R&B, like, or um, even with DC Talk. I mean, back then those albums were hip hop. Like, you know, like um, they were like, Christian hip hop, which was a little different for back then, but now I still listen to that album and it's so good. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. Back before they kind of went like more rock and roll, um, so that. But definitely, I think the thing, the 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 music that took me the longest to come around to was was country music. Mm. That's yeah. interesting, Brandon. Yeah, it is because I used to be like, man, I hate country music, bro. <laughs> and, to, and some of it I still do. I'm not even going <laughs> to yeah. Brandon, that is an unexpected curveball. I do. Yeah. So, like, literally, I, I would say I like every kind of music, at least some form of it, except <laughs> it took country, like, 37 years because that's how, that's how old I am. <laughs> You know, yeah. and but the reason is just because my that's what my wife listens to, and that's what oh. she grew up. Yeah. So at first I was like, man, I don't know if this relationship's gonna work. <laughs> I was dead serious. That's, I was like, man, I don't think I can listen to country music the rest of my life. <laughs> but then I just kind of like, I don't know. Then I all of a sudden my foot would start tapping. I'm like, tag on it. <laughs> this is per- George Strait is the man. <laughs> Yo, so I got to go back. So let's go back to 13. Okay. Um, how and when did you get your first official guitar? All right. So I was. it was on my 13th birthday, and I was um, – my parents, they had like a little place down at the beach, and so we would go there all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad, he kind of had a little bit of a stressful job, and so his – 
his thing was he loved to get away. Yeah. And so we went to the beach all the time. And there was a little music store. This is down in Atlantic Beach. As okay. soon as you cross over the bridge, mm-hmm. there's a little music store. It's called Miller Music. Yeah. yeah. And it looks um, like, I don't even know if it's open. But even when it was open, you couldn't tell if it was like open. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you had to go up and like knock on it and see if anybody's in there. It wasn't like Guitar Center. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. He was like, did this guy decide to work today or not? <laughs> That's kind of how it was. <laughs> That's hilarious because I can picture that yeah. like somebody owns a music store. They yeah. kind of go in late some days. They supposed to open at nine. They open at ten thirty. Right. That's right. And it's at the beach, so you know he, he might be on a boat. You don't know. He might live on a boat. You don't know. <laughs> so, so anyway, so this place, like I said, I remember walking in there and they had like. Like your your typical small town music store. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they might have one fender guitar, but they got <laughs> twenty that look like a fender guitar that ain't a fender guitar. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yes, I no, know. No Gibsons. <laughs> Don't even think about that. Nah, nah. No Gibsons. <laughs> yeah. And they, they even had like like some straight up look like from the eighties, like like these clear looking like crazy shape looking eighties, yeah, yeah. You know, look, you know, with the, all the whammy bars, and, <laughs> yeah. And um, and of course the guy that comes out to talk to me is like that guy, you know. <laughs> but um, I got a, my first guitar from that place mm-hmm. on my on my birthday. It was called a Lotus. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it looked like a Fender, <laughs> but it won't a Fender. Um, I didn't get my first Fender till later on. Okay, in life, yeah, we're so, gonna talk about it for yeah. sure. So um. Yeah, I, that's when I just kind of started picking it up, trying to play some songs for church and stuff. Um, and then when I got, i am never forget, I was at my cousin's house in Kansas City, okay? Oh, okay. And I was, I, and this is how vividly I remember it, because for, for what I know in psychology, they have these things called flashbulb memories, right? Okay, yes, sir. And so a flashbulb memory is something that happens in your life, like, for instance, if somebody talks about 9-11, right, mm-hmm. I, I can tell you exactly where I was at. Yeah. I can tell you, like, even, like, what it smelled like. Yeah. You know? And so I, I have one of those for this moment. I was coming down the stairs at his house, and there was a music video on uh, TV, and it was this band called Blink-182. Yeah. And I was just like, yo, what is this? Wow, the first time you've ever seen it. Uh-huh, or heard anything like it, yeah. right? Yeah. I was like, what is this? Um. And it was like one of their old albums uh, off this record called Dude Ranch. Mm-hmm. And so then they ended up coming out with the the next release, which had like all the small things and yeah. the, the real popular songs yes. that kind of blew them up. Yes. But I remember that, and I just stopped what I was doing and stared at the TV, and I was like just soaking it in. And I couldn't explain what it was or why this music was so much different than anything else I've heard. I mean, it was just pop punk, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um. But I don't know. It's like I got sucked into it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and ever since then, I was like, oh, let me learn how to play that on guitar. Yeah. And then I just sit there in my room and just learn it. Yes. How yeah. many hours a day did you practice? Mm. Man, f- right away, I would say it consumed me. Like, I would say, like, <clears throat> yeah, I used to go outside and play ball and this and that. But then when I got a guitar, it was like it w- I was just in my room all the time. So what about school? Um. So for school – 
school's a crazy thing with me in my life because yeah, I've been real serious about it, but not until like later on in life. Like when I was in high school, I was so one track mind on, um, I wanted to be in a band, you know? (laughs) And I and, and I went and saw Blink One Eighty Two for the first oh, time. Oh, you got the bug yeah. then. Mm-hmm. And then I saw this other <laughs> band called Sum Forty One. Uh huh. And that was the two like pop punk bands of that time. And you got and you're, and you're talking about like at a time like the late nineties, early two thousands when that music was like started to become real popular. Yes, it was in all the movies and everything. Yeah, dude. <laughs> all of those kinds of movies. The soundtrack had some kind of. Blink-182 or Third yes. Eye Blind or something like that, right? And so um, I, w- I got sucked into it then, man, and just uh, where when I went to school, I was just kind of showing up and doing what I had to do to get by, but my brain was constantly on how do I do that yes. for the rest of my life. And then right. did you ever get to a place? So wait. Mm-hmm. So you once you saw those bands, you're trying to figure out a way to make that a career. Oh yeah, man. I was in the front row. Like I remember Fall Out Boy was the um opening band on a small stage at this um <clears throat> excuse me, at this amphitheater mm-hmm. in Raleigh. And Blink One A Two was the main band. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching Fall Out Boy on this tiny stage with probably like a hundred people around. Wow. But they were packing it up, putting it back in the van. Like they were just living that life, like where tag they get to go do that again tomorrow, <laughs> and they get to do it next day. Like my little band was in a shed trying to figure out how to get the first show and how to get the people there, you know. And so, yeah. and it was also at a time where like not everybody was super into that kind of music. Like, mm-hmm. like my other kind of friends that were into music were into like Dave Matthews band and stuff mm. and like this like jam band stuff. Yeah. And I, I won't, I was never really into it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, um, so I was always a little bit different, but luckily um, I had some friends that were different like me. And one of them is a guy named Michael Arnett. He's from Wilson, North Carolina. Yeah. His face is on billboards now. He works for Farm Bureau, so he's everywhere. Wow. But um, he was like my best friend. Mm-hmm. And we met, I was at Pete's Inn in Wilson, and we were sitting across from each other. And we were there because we were friends with this other person that we were mutually friends with. Yeah. And I'd never met him before. And a Blink-182 Blink song came on the radio. And... I started singing it and he started singing it and we were just like, <laughs> yeah, dude. what's up? My name's Brandon. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, like yeah. I don't even know. Any, I don't know. I don't need to know anything else about you. <laughs> you know, we're cool. Yeah. And then it was just like, from then on, he was really been the only drummer that I've ever played with. Like, I mean, I play with other people here and there, but as far as like, Consistently, yeah. like your boy. Yeah, we're like releasing albums and stuff. Or like yeah. when I was in the studio, if I needed something done that I didn't think I could play myself, I'd be like, "Yo, yeah, just be there." Speaking so, of that, yeah, we're gonna go to a break and then we'll be right back. Two, three, yeah. Easy to love in the morning. Love it when I see you yawning. Easy don't hurt so bad. Easy don't make you sad. Easy like Sunday, fun day, one way, no play, girl singing, okay, gotta love it my way. That's all I got, though. God! God! Yo! Cause y'all, you know I'm a rapper now. You know I'm a rapper now. No, she, no, Shy, Shy, you have just met 
you have just met. <gasps> she loved to rap and ain't had nobody Yo. around her that like rapping. Yo. You just, Yo. I know she just messed you up. Yo, I got tears in my eyes. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Easy to love in the morning. Hey. Love it when I see you yawning. Hey. Easy don't hurt so bad. Easy don't make you sad. Hey. Easy like Sunday, fun day, one way, no play. Girl singing, okay. Oh! <laughs> Bro. Y'all, I'm floored. Yo, we ain't never heard JD in our life. Ever. I'm floored. So I want to start where we left off. All right. Because you're a drummer too. Yes. Where did that start? So um, I think, it, I mean, if I had to say where it started, uh, man, when I first started a band for the first time, so I was around mm, 14, 15, something like that, 14, I guess. And then my my dude Michael that I was talking about, like he would always have a drum kit around. So if I was at his house, I'm, I'm like trying to play. If I'm um, at practice, you know, I'm trying to play. I was that like lead singer guitar player that all the drummers get like mad about because they're every always break. So yeah. every break you on the drums, yeah, on the drums, <laughs> and everybody's like, "Shut up!" Like. You know how it is. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and you play the drums too. And you still know how it is. And I get it. I get it. I've been there, done that. But on the other side of the fence. But when you like but when you when you first get that first groove locked in, like you're hooked, though, you know? Yeah. So you're like, man, I'm sorry, you're gonna hate me maybe forever now. Because when you get up, I'm sitting down. <laughs> so. so how old were you then? Mm, probably like fourteen. Um now that that's kind of from 14 all the way to like maybe 18 it was just playing when i had a kid around or like when i'm at my friend's house yeah or and they'll show me something like this or that now when my band got big enough where we had we had to have like our own practice space that we rented out and stuff like that then there was a drum kit in a yeah. in a place all the time where i could sneak in <laughs> So tell me about the yeah. band. When did the band start? So my first band that I was ever in was this band called Blank Page. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a fire name. Yes. How did y'all come up with that name, that though, dog? I, I think it was because we were like a Christian pop punk band, and it was like when you turn your life over to Jesus, he gives you a blank page. That's kind. Of, that's a bar. That's it a is. bar. It is. That's but a it is. bar. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it was still three of us just trying to be like Blink One Eight Two. So anyway, yeah. But that so I I played here and there. Now when I got in that like practice space, and then especially when I opened up my own recording studio, yeah. Now that's when I every day I play drums every day, yeah, because it was there. Yeah. So you're in your band. You're the guitar player and the lead singer. No. Nah, well, so back in most of my life in my early days i was in a band called scarlet undercover okay all right where it, did that name come from mm, man <laughs> i don't know like it just sounded cool i think um and then anytime anybody ever asked us like where we came up for it with that name we always just made up a new story because i don't think any of us knew it, it didn't have anything to do with nothing nothing yeah <laughs> and so and i was terrible with coming up with band names so when I heard something that was cool, I was just like, "Yeah, that." <laughs> yeah. So, but um, but yeah, there was a, definitely a lot of um at that point getting to play drums more. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So were you were you guys doing original songs or covers? Yeah. So any band I ever been in, we always 
wrote originals. So like, and I, that's what I love to do. I I never li- enjoy being in a cover band, except mm. except from when I'm like playing at church. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. that's that's different. Like I don't yeah. and you I don't like because that's not a cover band, right? It ain't like that's all God's music. So yeah. I get that. And um, but as far as like being in like a local band and writing songs, like it was important to me to always write because that was my favorite part. So when did you discover that you prefer to write? Because that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, because I think a lot of people in my age at that time, if they were playing music, they were just like playing cover songs or yeah, playing and, for parties or playing for... Like, nah. Yeah, nah, it just wasn't for me. Like I knew, I saw I saw Blink-182 and other bands doing this where they were in sta- on, on stage in front of a lot of people doing it every night. And I'm like, what do I got to do to do that? And a part of it is write your own music. Yes. So, do you remember your first song? Oh, man. Well... Kind of, sort of. We we that first band I was in, we wrote and recorded an album right down the street from this place. Wow, yeah. from where we are right now. Uh huh. Yeah. So there was this guy. Whoa. Name um. His name was Britt Edwards, and he is. Wow. He uh he just he lived he's he's lived in Nashville, Tennessee now for a long time, and I think he just moved back. But um, he was in a really popular uh like worship type band. Yeah. Um, and they were called the Swift. I don't think um, I heard of them. And then before that, they were called like Puddle Glum. Okay. But when I was growing up, they were the only bands around here that were actually like doing it for real, as far as I knew. Yeah. And, um, and so he had a studio at his house and like they went on tour with like like Stephen Curtis Chapman and stuff like yeah. that. You know, they were, they were, they were playing with some big Christian artists. Yeah. So I always looked up to that guy and those people in that band and they were from right here in like Rocky Mount. Yeah. And, and um, some of them were from Wilson. So that I recorded an album. That was my first time ever recording anything. And that first song we wrote was on it and I've got it somewhere. Um, I think some of my family members like found a copy and just, Saved it so it wouldn't ever get yeah you know, lost <laughs> yeah but I don't like I don't I hadn't listened to it in a <laughs> long time probably <laughs> yeah probably uh, and yeah. um you co-wrote it with the other bandmates yeah so at that band it was just me um and two other guys and, okay and so then we ended up starting another band um, later down the road called Better Yet. I don't know. We won't even go there. It, it didn't last very long. And then that band Scarlet Undercover was kind of the first band that I, I saw like success with. Okay, let's yeah. talk about it. Yeah. What year did y'all start? Mm, so Or how old were you? It's probably the it's probably the It was my senior year of high school. Okay. Is when it kind of turned into that. So like I was around 17, 18, 19. Mm-hmm. Um, and that band, like we had a like we did tours and stuff. Yeah. So we started that whole thing. So we had a van that broke down all the time. Um, we had we ended up having like three vans, man. And we weren't even together that long. So like we bought this van. Um, it was like an old church van that was barely barely running. But it got us from here to there, but it would it would cut off in the middle of the street sometimes. And the only way sometimes you get it to, to work would be to jump out and get under it and tap the starter from underneath the van. And people would be like honking on their horns and be like, get that piece of junk out of the, out of the way. You know what I mean? And I'm like, man, I'm just I'm just trying to play music, man. Like, yeah, so. that's, the, that's the hustle. That's yeah. the hustle and bustle of it all. Mm-hmm. What was the um, writing process like with y'all? So in, in that band, um, 
it was it was more like we would sit around as a band and kind of like come up with certain riffs or whatever and we would mm-hmm. kind of make music and then put lyrics to it afterwards. Oh, so it was like here's a chord progression, let's try yeah. this. That band was was really technical based. Like we had a really good guitar player. Mm-hmm. His name's Brian Dawson who later Shout out Brian Dawson. Yep. He later played for this band called The Cab, which is which was pretty successful. Yeah. Um and so so yeah, he was a guitar player. His name's Brian Dawson who's um phenomenal. And so we kind of wrote a lot of the music centered around him because his mm. his playing was just so good, and you kind of know where the strengths and the weaknesses are, and you got to play off the strengths. <laughs> and that guy was just so good; you just let him do whatever he wanted. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but then the main band that I've been in for you know most of my life that was the most successful was called Mercy Mercedes. Yeah, yeah. boy. Yeah, and so that point i was the lead guitar player and i sang back up okay yeah okay so that's the one that we should really chop it up about yeah basically i right, so what year was that um around 2006 okay uh, we went from about 2006 to around 2012 okay so how did how did y'all come together yeah so that band i was previously in called scarlet undercover um we were we would be playing shows and then there was this group of guys and they were called mercy mercedes and they were opening up for us here and there. Whoa, yeah. that's interesting. I know. <laughs> um, and so we're we're playing these shows around like Raleigh, um, you know, Charlotte, Greensboro. Oh, we doing good. Yeah, we're at this point. Hey, that's yeah. good stuff. Yeah, them, them the big cities. Yeah. So at that point, my old band was uh, we were selling out this place in Raleigh called the Brewery. Uh huh. Um, and now it's been demolished. Now, um, rest in peace. But it was the place that we grew up. Yeah, where, where we we had help with people putting us on um, bigger shows than we deserved, you know, and so that helped us out a lot. Yeah, but then eventually we started being the headliner, and it would be packed. Yeah, and so we had bands opening up for us at that time. So at that point, did you remember those times where you said to yourself, "This is what I want to do"? Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Every every bit of the way. Like at that point in my life, like you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't deter me from from going to any other path. It was like that or bust, you know. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and you look so when you're looking at the crowds, man. What you saying to yourself, man? Some of them sometimes it just you just have to let it soak in. Yeah, because you can't forget what you're doing because you are there to like to play songs these people want to hear and they yeah. want to hear it how they're used to hearing it. But yeah, there'd be times where I'd kind of just blank out and just. It was when people started really singing the songs back. That's when it started to get me. Like, all these people know this song? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's wild. Yes, that's a crazy feeling. So anyway, at that point, um, a couple of the other guys in that band decided to go play with some other guys. And then me and the drummer, Michael, were kind of left, like, not knowing what we wanted to do. Yeah. And then um, it just so happens that, my well i'll tell you it's a little kind of crazy but my buddy michael said he had this dream right okay so we're going we're getting deep okay all right right, we're getting deep (laughs) getting a little prophetic here but this is this is just the truth though yeah so he's like man i had this dream last night and so this is when our two other best friends just told us they were leaving to go to chicago to join another band Wow. and we didn't and we thought we were doing well yeah like we thought we had had it you know yeah and so um that like next night he's like dude he he calls me and he's like 
super serious. Yeah. And he's like, I had this dream, man. And I had a dream that I was driving and I came to this crossroads and I didn't know which way to turn. And I felt like one way was going to something totally new and something, and this other way was going. And, you know, and it's been a long, a lot of years since he's told me the story, but this is just the, the basis of it yes. is like we had to make a decision which way to turn. And he called me like that next day. And he's like, I don't know what it means, dude. The next day after that, the guys in that band, Mercy Mercedes, call us up and at this time mercy mercedes wasn't like a big name or anything yeah it was just like four guys and they had made like a a demo with like two or three songs yeah and so um they were like we heard that y'all broke up and we were just wondering if maybe y'all wanted to come join our band because we love y'all and we love everything you write wow and so at first i was like i don't know because i kind of knew going into it that i might not be the lead singer and I had already, and I'd been the lead singer my whole life. Wow, this is good, yeah. Brandon. Yeah, but I felt like it was like, man, like my buddy just told me that he just had this dream, and I've just been kind of praying about which way I need, like, what do I need to do now? And then it's just like, bam, the next day it's just like somebody's like, here you go, this is Sheesh. it. Yeah. Do and you felt like it was worth taking the back seat, so to speak. I think so because it. To me, it was never about like the fame part. It was never. I mean, it was kind of cool. I ain't gonna lie, <laughs> but it to me that's not the reason that I did it. Yeah. And so the reason I did it is because I loved it. Yeah. You know, and I loved and and I wanted to be a part of music, no matter if it was um, playing lead guitar or drums or or even bass or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's just like I want to be on the road and I want to make music. Yeah. So, yeah. so you get in this band. What mm-hmm. is the first? So once y'all are in it, mm-hmm. the first time y'all meet to play is like a rehearsal? Yeah. How is it? Oh, man, that was crazy. <laughs> because, you know, like, yeah, there was a little bit of, of humbling for me because I did have to realize that, man, I'm not going to be the one with all eyes on me now. But I've got to find my place too, Ooh. and because that's, it's just like a man being in a band. It's like being on a a basketball team. You know what I'm saying? Because you need somebody like LeBron or or MJ. You know, you need somebody like MJ, <laughs> the goat, the real goat. Anyway, I won't get into that. But you need somebody like them. But then you got to have role players too, or you're not going to win the championship. You know. You got to have somebody that can shoot a three. You got to have somebody that can rebound. And if you don't have those people in that band <clears throat> that can rebound for you, like that might be your bass player, you know? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, then you ain't going to win a championship. You not. Mm-mm. And I think sometimes, man, everybody want to be MJ. They do. <laughs> like you can't yeah. have a starting five of all mm-hmm. MJs. And that's kind of what it was for me. I was like, man, maybe I need to be a Scottie Pippen right now, you know? And I've been trying to be MJ my whole life. <laughs> and then you get in a band, yeah. and you're like, I guess I'm Scotty. I, yeah, because, but then at the same time, I was like, man, I'm about to be the best Scotty that I can be. The best Scotty Pippen. Because MJ wasn't MJ without Scotty Pippen. And so when I realized that, I kind of, because we're at this rehearsal, and I kind of started to realize that I was – 
the best guitar player in the in the building. Okay. <laughs> And so it's not like I was saying that, thinking that I'm the best. It's the it's me saying that maybe that's what I need to contribute. Yeah. It's going in the space, knowing what you used to do. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. And then you go in here with this band, and you're like, wait, yeah, because it's different. Yeah. yeah. But then, like, I could kind of see the potential too. And honestly, I felt like that's when my producer mind started to grow. Let's go. Yeah. Because yeah. then I'm like. <laughs> Man, I just helped make this band way better. And then to me, it felt just as good because, like, I know that I'm contributing what helped build the the whole masterpiece. So So being a part of Mercy Mercedes is what introduced you to production. Definitely. So, I mean, I had done albums with other bands, so I'd been with a producer before. But I felt like when I first joined that band, that's when the mentality of being a producer myself kicked in. Mm, and what is the mate- mentality of a producer to you? Mm, do make the song 10 times better than it would have been if you hadn't have been there helping out with it. So every producer, I feel like, has a little bit of their own style. Yes. You know, some some producers are are ones that they only ever do a certain kind of music. Yeah. But then you got some, which I would like to consider myself being one yes. of them, is one that just loves to do all different kinds of music so yes. you don't feel like you're doing the same thing all the time. And no, it's easy to be that kind of producer because you can get everything locked in to sound exactly how you want it to sound, and it will come out giving you that same product every time. Every time. And a lot, and you might make a good business out of that. Yeah. Because some people are like, I want that sound. Yeah. But when you can show up with somebody playing a whole different style of music than you that you don't do all the time, and you can try your best to still elevate that song, yeah. that's, when you, that's when you're a real producer. <laughs> you know? Yeah, man. So, so that's, that's when you discover, like, so you get the producer mind, mm-hmm. you're playing with them. Um, do you start producing other bands while still being in the group? I did. That's when all right, so when I when we decided, all right, Mercy Mercedes is gonna work out. Yeah. It's this is gonna be good stuff. Well then we decided to move to Greensboro to be in the band. Wait, 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 wait. The whole band where was the band based out of before? So the band was based in Greensboro, Randleman area. Okay. Okay, so but Michael and I were from Wilson yeah. and still lived in Wilson. Yeah. But we wanted to make sure that it was going to work before wow. we picked up and moved. But we only had like two or three practices and we were like, all right, let's go. <laughs> so after two practices, mm-hmm. y'all like, oh, yeah, we moved. Yeah, I mean, you kind of know when you play with somebody. Yes, you do. You, you do. You, you, do. Do. you, you do. know. You yeah. know. You know yeah. when it's working and when yeah. it ain't working. And sometimes you can t- – I mean, and s- people can always get better and you can become better uh, cohesively as a band. But, you know – just like from playing in church, a lot of times you, somebody's going to fill in that you ain't ever played with before, and like right away you can be like, all right, they're going to work. <laughs> yeah. And then sometimes you can be like, hey, turn him down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, cut, cut him off of my headphones real quick. I don't, I don't need him. <laughs> you know, though, don't lie. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's so funny because it's true. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> it's two things I want to ask you about. I want to ask you about the production side, mm-hmm. but I want to ask you about the um, just the personal side. Mm-hmm. You had to feel these guys out and mm-hmm. feel like they were good people. Oh yeah, in order to move your life. Yeah, 
And you already like had a relationship with them previously, not being in the band, right? A little bit, yeah. Okay, yeah. We had seen they had they had been they'd played like maybe three shows opening up for us, so it was like where we got to meet them and hang out. But honestly, our band, man, we were always we were always cool to everybody, no matter how good or how bad we thought that your band really was, because you know it wasn't like us to it's not up to us to judge them based on like if they're loving it i'm not gonna tell somebody you know how bad they are so they can just go stop trying yeah you know but you know there are some that just you just like (laughs) you just shake your head and you don't want to say nothing because you don't want to lie to them (laughs) that's so true that is universally true yeah it is it is it's like so you just don't say nothing at all you're just like hmm or they hey, ask you something like, hey, yeah. hey man or you and hey, they be like how do we do man they ain't never heard nothing like it <laughs> you ain't lying to them <laughs> <laughs> mm. yo that's hilarious boy <laughs> so um so yeah what was the relationship like building with them outside of rehearsals and shows yeah cause that's the thing man when you're in a band like you gotta have a good friendship because you're friends more than you are like partners musically because you're doing more together off the stage than you are on the stage. Yes. So if it don't work, like if you can't be around somebody, I mean, I remember some bands, man, where the lead singer would ride separate from all the other members of the bands and stuff. Like, and it happened on more one of occasion that more than one band. So like I can remember at least two, and I'd be like, y'all, where's your singer? And they'd be like, no, nah, he rides by himself. And I'm like, how do y'all, how can you do that? Like, I, I mean, cause I feel like it, they weren't friends. They were just, they were just business partners. And I feel like if you want to be in a band, like, yes. like a group or yes. if you're equally involved with other people, like you've got to be on a good friendship basis. Yes. Be- you know, before you become good on a business level. Yes. And y'all were able to develop that? Definitely. Yeah. Um, and like I said, it was a lot of like taking back seats here and there, but also kind of finding out that I was good at things that I didn't even know I was good at too. And like yeah. using that. So what other things did you find out you were good at? Well, see, like when I, when I decided, okay, I think I'm going to be the best guitar player here. Well, then I need to work on being the best guitar player. So, I was sitting out then at that point I was sitting my because I, I moved to Greensboro. I was living with the drummer and the lead singer and his wife lived yeah, there. Right? So wow. we had a house and we all I just had my own little room. Yeah. And I and from that day forward it was like because I had a friend, like I was saying, my friend Brian Dawson, who is just so good at guitar. Yeah. And he always played lead. So I'm like, well, if I'm gonna be the lead guitar player, I gotta I gotta get to work. So I just sat in there and practiced every night. All day, all night, and then I go deliver some pizzas, and then I come back home, and then I would practice all day yes. and all night. So that's, that's what I did. And then, I mean, Domino's was the only place that let me have a job when I come home from tour. <laughs> so I go, I'm like, all right, I'll see y'all in three months, and they're like, all right, come back when you need some money. Seriously, that's that. That's why I've delivered pizzas. Yo, that's crazy. You'd yeah. be going for three months, come back, and they let you clock in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because sometimes it'd be like a month. Sometimes it'd be two months. But there was one time it was three months. <laughs> and, yeah, there was one year where I think we played over 300 shows. 
and there's only 365 days in a year. <laughs> you got to think about Christmas and Thanksgiving. I ain't playing on those days. I'm eating. You know what I'm saying? So Yo. that's that's a lot of shows though. Yeah. But that's that's where we were at. So so now let's talk. Let's dive. I want to dive deep into the production thing. Okay. So you're playing with the band. Yep. How do you get your first client as a producer? All right. So that's another thing that I did when I would come home from tour. Um, I would just make beats on my computer. So that's when I got more into being able to work with like um, hip hop and R&B artists was just because I found that I had a knack for making stuff digitally. Right. (laughs) And so I'd be in the van on tour and I wouldn't have anything, you know, to do. Like back back then we didn't have like, uh, like we had like the iPhone one, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yes. And, and so we, we couldn't just like, social media <laughs> like that didn't exist yet that's how old i i mean that was like myspace bro myspace so yeah so we're, so that that's the age that we're in and so i would just be in there and i did have a laptop and i'd mess with it and then i'd come back home and I would just make beats just to learn how to do it. Yeah. And then I figured out oh, somebody would be like, oh, that's beat. Let me get that beat. <laughs> and, you know, of course, when somebody says, let me get that beat, like they don't want to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So I went through that. But then I'd have some people that would call it on and they'd be like, yeah. And then I'd sell one for like 50 bucks. Yeah. And then I'd sell one for like 100 bucks. Yeah. But then I would just keep making them so that I could just keep selling them so that I, you know, had a little extra spending money. Um, but then that got me into like the, the, this right here. Yeah. And so then I would be recording with other producers and at that, but by that time I'm like just soaking it in from these producers. Like I'm about to learn everything I can from this guy Yeah. while I'm here working with this guy. Yeah. And so I was always the guy in the band that was always in the studio. Like when, if I was done with my parts, I'm still sitting in there making sure that your parts are being done right. <laughs> you know, yeah. where everybody else is like, all right, I'm going home. <laughs> you know, I never left. Hey, you see, have you, did you watch the new edition movie? No, no, no. So no, there was a scene in there, right? There was a scene in there. Where Ralph is laying vocals, uh-huh. and then the other dudes are in the control room with girls, and then they just leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'd be the one still in the studio. Yo, <laughs> that's hilarious. So you found in like I love the you you fell in love with the process of making the song. Oh yeah, because that's where all the magic is, man. Mm. Like that's where it feels like when you when you when you're sitting there for like two hours straight and nothing's happening and then all of a sudden bam there it is there's the idea we were looking for and you're just because you're you never know if it's gonna come you know that idea that you need and then it does and it's just like everything's pieced together and everything is right in the world now because that missing piece is there yeah and like i never wanted to be um i never wanted to be outside of the room um where if I needed to be in the studio for that piece to happen, I was going to be there. Does that, if that makes sense. Absolutely, man. I didn't want to miss that part. Yeah. And then I kind of felt like I needed to be there so that could happen. (laughs) (laughs) You like, you driving the ship almost like, you know, you have the heart, the mind and the patience to see it through until it 
happens. Yeah, and there's a lot of patience is involved in, in being a producer. And and I'm not trying to take any away from my bandmates. They're all amazing. And they're all they all were brought the piece that we needed. Like I said, like you gotta have some role players. Yeah. You, know? you gotta have specific role players. And I feel like everybody in the band figured that out. So were they all cool with you being the producer? Yeah, no, the well, at that time we all worked with a producer okay so, and you were just producing other artists but not the the band was more right but that's when i started to notice that the stuff that i was doing with these other groups like I, it was translating into yeah my own band and stuff so like the lead singer um his name's nate he is a, he's a great songwriter him and his um, cousin matt which is the other guitar player mm-hmm. they wrote a lot together and then sometimes i'd write on my own and then yeah. we kind of get together but then we always would get together after a song idea was written and then form the music around that idea, which was the opposite. Opposite. Yeah, which is the opposite. <laughs> so then I, I've kind of learned how to do it both ways. Yeah. And I think it's just like, what are you trying to go for? Like, if you're trying to go for like a song, like a pop song that has to for, follow that formula to to be like on the radio or, or to have that certain like um, – pop appeal yeah you you gotta follow the formula yeah but that's what makes it so much fun to me is because you've only got so much that will that can work yeah what can you come up with yes yeah and what can you come up with this different because there's hardly <laughs> anything different about music today that's true yeah it's just like how can you use what yeah what you've got to make it awesome yeah so yeah so how long were you producing before you open your own studio all right so there was a little studio right down the street from where we lived mm-hmm. and it was in and it was in the same it was like an old abandoned pantyhose factory <laughs> and it was creepy like the lights were flickering it was kind of damp it looked like a horror movie sometimes when you walked in there but we had our practice space was in this building um and then on the other side of this building this guy had built like a pretty sweet studio yeah and so, um, and he was in a band that knew our band. So he was cool. And he was like, yeah, want to come over here and work sometime you can. Yeah. And then that's when I was like, all right, well, you said it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I'm going to be there. And I would yeah. show up. And then that's when I started getting other people to come and maybe start doing some recordings. How did, how did you convince people to come? I mean, I didn't really have to just because my band convinced them. You know? Wow. Yeah. So the work that your band was doing was kind of speaking for itself, yeah, which it, automatically yeah. made you credible. Yes. So at that time in Greensboro, like Mercy Mercedes was starting to be one of like the local names that you you knew who they were. You knew who we were. Basically. Yeah. And we were we were we were headlining shows. Yeah. So there was a lot of younger bands that were like always reaching out to us for help. Like, how did you do this? And can mm. we play, can we open up for you? And, mm. and then that's like, Oh, by the way, did you know that I'm recording <laughs> bands? And so, yeah. I mean, that's how it worked. Um, it, that's how it developed. And then I eventually started, um, I would go to whatever studio I could. Mm-hmm. Um, I developed a relationship with this guy named Matt Malpass in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's the one that did the Mercy Mercedes record. Okay. Um, he lives in L.A. now, and he does, like, he works with, like, Travis Barker all the time. I mean, he, he's, like, he's a big name now. But he let me come to Atlanta, and I I would just, like, um, co-produce with him. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, these bands that would come to me 
we would go, we might do half a record and then I'd go to Atlanta and like finish the record with him. Yeah. Stuff like that. And, and I, and I, I was all about it cause he was definitely on the upper echelon than I was at. Yes. And I just learned everything. So when you would take your sessions to him, mm-hmm. like he would give you feedback and yeah. then y'all would build from there. Yeah. So like we would record straight up record some songs that I just, um, did the pre-production on yeah. back in Wilson or whatever. Yeah. And then we did record some songs. Um, and then I would take the ones that I'd already recorded. We'd go to his place. He'd be like, yeah, I think that you did a great job with production, but your mixing needs some work here or something. Yeah. And, um, or let's, uh, let's do this song, but let's try it like this. And we'd re-record the whole thing. Yes. And that was cool. Cause I'm like, well, I kind of want to see what he would do with it. Yes. So, in any of this process, did it ever feel offensive? Um, no, I, I think I see what you're you're meaning by that. Yes, it, yeah, because um, sometimes when you're working with people and you're a producer, you're basically paid to give your opinion. Yes, you know what I mean. Yes, and so when you work with another producer, especially one that even has more credibility than you do. Like, you have to take a step back and be like, okay, I need to use this opportunity to learn as much as I can, and who cares what I think? You know what I mean? And that's hard to do sometimes. It is vet, yeah. especially when you when you find yourself in a place where you're developing and you're good at what you do, yeah. and you're and that and you have positive reinforcement for mm. that, and then you go somewhere with somebody who tells you that the thing that everybody says is good yeah. needs more work. Right. Yeah, but <laughs> but sometimes, man, sometimes we think we get to that point where we don't need more work. But, man, is there ever really a point like that? No, there's never a point nah. where we don't need more work. Nah. Ever. In anything in life. <laughs> Not just music. Right. Right. It's like every day you wake up, there's something you can tweak. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot in my opinion. <laughs> Facts. I'm just saying. Facts. So so you're in Greensboro, you're producing bands, working at different studios. Mm-hmm. Y'all were together for six years. Was it a when you guys stopped, mm-hmm. how did y'all stop? Was it like an ugly stop, a mutual stop? Well, it wasn't um so what happened was we had a manager, his name was John D. Esposito, and he worked for Live Nation in New York City. That's great. He so his job was he booked um he was the booking guy for like the Jonas Brothers, Dane Cook. So he did like comedy guys, he did um huge acts. So so a lot of the big shows and the big tours we got on were because of him. Yeah. So like the biggest show I ever played was opening up for Justin Bieber. Yes. Yeah. And so we played at the Long Island uh where the the hockey team plays, uh-huh. the, the Islanders. Um and so it's this big arena, and I'd never done an arena before. Were and, you nervous, man? Come on. <laughs> come on, bro. I, I can say that I wasn't nervous for a lot of shows, but, man, <laughs> you don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. You're nervous. If anybody says they weren't, they were, they're lying to you. <laughs> so, like, now you got you to gotta think now. There, there's 15,000 people here. This is the biggest show I've ever played. But there's 15,000 Justin Bieber fans out there, not Mercy Mercedes fans. There right. might there might have been 5,000 and and probably only like 500 that were like diehard fans maybe. Yes. So 
that's where we were at. I just want y'all to, you know, we were we were the little guy on the totem pole when it came to the Justin Bieber show. <laughs> right. You know? And so, right. but at the same time, you got to go out there and you got to put on a show that's different than any show you put on. Yeah. You know, we're used to playing like venues with like the biggest venues being like 3,000 people. Mm. Like House of Blues was like yeah. the biggest. And now, and we did some festivals that had a ton of people now, but like never an arena like you know <laughs> that's different i remember doing my sound check and i was like something's wrong with my guitar and the and the sound guy's like that's the slap back from and i'm like oh my bad i ain't never played nowhere like this before excuse me but it was true it's like the sound would come out of my amp it would go towards the arena hit the back and then I'd hear it like five <laughs> seconds later, and I'm sitting there like, "What's wrong with my What's wrong with my setup?" Like that's how out of place I was. Yeah. So, Did y'all have ears back then? No, man. You just had monitors. Yeah. So like our singer had ears, but you know, like back then, in ears were just starting to become like a normal thing yeah yeah so i mean i use them now but. yeah so how did that show turn out oh it was awesome i mean because you gotta think like they they had an incredible sound system with so you didn't even really have to have ears because you've got these the best floor monitors yes. you've ever seen yeah and then they've got side fields, side fields the whole <laughs> nine yards yeah and it turned out really good um I mean, there's it's it's on YouTube. Oh, yeah. so y'all go check that out. Maybe it's uh, <laughs> it was called Popcon. Oh, uh, that's dope. In 2009. Oh yeah, I'm going to watch it. Yeah. So um, it was definitely the biggest production, but um, yeah. Fortunately for our band, we got to do some cool stuff. Yeah. And it was because of that guy. So I know. Yeah. To shout get back, out to him. Yeah. To get back to your question. All good. Yeah. So this guy was our manager. We were signed to a record label called the Militia Group, mm-hmm. uh, which we really we really had a good relationship with. But then our manager, um, he worked in the Warner Brothers office, right? And he wanted us to be on Warner Brothers really bad. So he wanted us to be on a major label. Yeah. And we were on like an indie label. Yeah. And then it's kind of like the stuff that you hear about all the time kind of happened. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a record that we made, and it was ready to come out. And we had a humongous tour that we were about. To, I mean, we went on, we went on tour like Third Eye Blind and um, LMFAO. Yeah. And, um, some some big like Good Charlotte. Yeah. Some big groups were um, were there with us, and we had an album that should have come out before that tour. That's how bands used to do it back then. Yeah. Before all the you know social media. Like you would make an album and then you go on tour with a huge group and yes. you would sell your album in front of all those people. Yes. And you'd get a little bit more famous because of it. Yes. Now it's you know, now it's a little bit different. But back then that's what we had. And um our manager and our book and our manager and our record label just had different ideas of where we should go and they got into a legal battle that lasted for like two years. And um and like our our legal person was um the lawyer for madonna jeez yeah and so that cost a lot of money (laughs) yeah that was the only thing about it that you should take away from it is it was a lot of money (laughs) like every time we would send an email or call them to ask them a question it's like they hit the timer and you're being you know charged Charged. Mm -hmm. so that kind of like that that kind of drained us of money and then um, we just didn't know what else to do because 
then we finally got off of our record label and then our manager didn't really want to have anything to do with us anymore because of the legal battle yeah he was just sick of like going through it and he was just like oh i'll just do something with somebody else what up y'all i'm rajay and i want to say first thank y'all for the support thank y'all for the love and thank y'all for watching and listening to this podcast we really don't take it for granted hey if y'all want to continue to support us by spending y'all money i got a way for y'all to do that y'all go to rajxshaw.com and pick up that make it happen hoodie today life be crazy but we still gotta do what make it happen gang i mean he he already had a lot going on he was uh in charge of this festival called bamboozle yes yeah and so he was the guy that started bamboozle dang yeah dang y'all were positioned sweet but that's what i'm saying it's like what <laughs> that's the hard part about the music industry is like you've got somebody that Sheesh. is in your corner at some point that's like got insane influence yes like i like i went to his house and he lived next to like the boss you know what i'm saying <laughs> like he lived next to springfield like Sheesh. like he 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 can hook you up with whatever you need um but in like just like the blink of an eye they can like turn on you mm. and just almost ruin everything jeez yeah. was that hurtful for you guys yeah definitely because we didn't know where to do or where to go and at that point i think one of our members was like 26 or 27 and you know you you, you think all right, am I going to keep doing this forever or or do you kind of move on? And it started to kind of get that way where um, one guy decided to move on and we kept going. And then another guy tried to decide to move on and we replaced him and we replaced people. And then it just was like, okay, we done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So is that when you move, were you still living in Greensboro this entire time? Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, I, I feel like I know what you're going to say. Yes. Like, that's when I started be, to dive into being a producer full time. Yes. Yeah. And is that when you moved back to Wilson or you didn't move back to Wilson right away? No, I, then I, I, I moved back to Wilson and then I was kind of doing it. Um, when I first moved back, I was just kind of kicking it with my folks until I found a place to stay. Yeah. And then um, and so I was just I set up at their house and would just keep just kept on learning stuff and so at this people. point you're making beats still yeah okay but now but at this point i'm also recording like real bands too at the house yeah oh your mom and dad let you bring bands to the house only a couple times <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but then but they knew i was trying to open up a, a studio yeah so they were just like all right we know it's not going to be permanent yes so. They just kind of they've they've always been good at helping me out if I if I need it. That come on, shout out to his parents. Yeah, yeah, they, they believed in you, man. Mm-hmm. Um, which is crazy. Um, side note, like they used to not let me watch MTV and stuff like that. <laughs> which I get it. I, I probably won't let my kids watch it either. But but um, the first time we were on MTV, I was I called my parents. I was like, hey yo, turn. I think back then it was like channel twenty four. Yeah, it was crazy. I remember that. I was like, turn it to MTV. And they were like, what? I was like, just do it right now. And then we our music video was up there. I was nice. like, I was like, I told you. <laughs> I told you. That was a great that's moment. Good, yeah. Brandon, that's good, Because <laughs> I mean, they were they've always been supportive, but they have also been like realistic. Oh, uh, so know? they you got to show me parents. Yeah, kinda. <laughs> yeah. 
So then after they see, so after they see the MTV video where they like, okay. Oh yeah, they were like, okay. <laughs> and they kind of, they kind of started to see it a little bit because they had just been to a show in Raleigh that was sold out. Whoa. And what was it like having them there? That man? was crazy because I knew it was going to be a big show. But you, your parents are the people that, they're the ones that gave me the guitar. Like yes. they're the ones that like saw me when I was telling them I'm going to do this and this and this and that. And in the back of their mind, they're probably thinking you better practice <laughs> because it ain't that good yet. And they, they won't wrong. Like everybody is like that at some point. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think nowadays we have like, because of social media, we see all these like little kids that are phenom like phenoms. You know, like that are better than me and they're nine. <laughs> yes. And that's disheartening. <laughs> it is. But, you know, like not everybody is like that. Yes. Most everybody that you look up to musically at some point was bad. It might not have taken them as long to get good. <laughs> but they were bad. But they were at some point. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah. And I think I think sometimes Sometimes I think we can get so good that we forget we were bad. Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, dude, you chill. Yeah. Chill out, man. Uh-huh. We all started from the bottom. Yeah. I mean, I get it. You're doing good. But, hey, man. Yeah. I, humble yourself. I, I completely agree. Oh, yeah. So you move back. Mm-hmm. Couple bands at your parents. Then when you say, what makes you say, I'm going to open my own recording studio? So I, I did have a guy that was opening up one, and he asked me. So I used to work at the music store in Wilson before I moved away and did the band thing. Okay. So I knew a lot of people in the community that, that were into it. But, you know, people that have a recording studio, there's only a couple of them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. At least in Wilson, there mm-hmm. was. Because <laughs> some people think they got one in their house, and, and, you, and they might, like, you know, this right here could be in somebody's house. Yes. And this is legit. Yes. But back then, you know, when somebody's like, I got a recording studio at my house, it was different. You know, it won't the same. It was like a laptop in their bedroom and a mic in their closet. And that's the studio. Yeah. But I yeah. always yeah, but I always knew like that I wanted to have like a real, like legit one. With the control room, a yeah. tracking room. Yeah. 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 And I knew I could. I I, I felt like I had the ability to do it. Um, it was just a matter of where and how I'm going to make it happen. Mm-hmm. So that's when I started talking to the people in Wilson, and um, they hooked me up with that place that yeah. we were both at. Um, for for pretty good. They, they were trying to revitalize the area, so they had some incentives. Like, if you come here, we'll, we won't charge you rent for, like, this many months. Yeah. And we'll give you some money to make the place look better on the outside. <sighs> so I was like, well, I'm starting from nothing, so I got to – I yeah, should go I that route. Yes, yes. So you you get it. You go in there. You put the paint on the wall. Yeah. You put the panels in. You set up. Mm-hmm. And do you remember your first session? Mm. Yeah, sort of. Man. So I th- that place before you came in, there was there was two sides to it, sort of. There was a, there yeah. was, and so we had like a control A room. I could tell. Yeah. yeah. And then like a smaller B room. Yeah. And so what happened was I went into it initially with I had a business partner. Oh. And he's from Kinston. Okay. Um, his name uh is John Harrell. Yeah. He's st- still a great um a great mixer, producer. Yeah. Uh really good at like rock. Yeah. For, like real good at it. Yeah. 
Um, so he went into it with me. So he brought half of his stuff, yeah. and I brought everything I had, and we yeah. just kind of put it together. Uh-huh. Um, we worked together for about a year and a half, and then he decided to move back and do it solo at home. Okay. So at that point, that's when I had to kind of really like, because I didn't have nobody to lean on. So y'all was splitting the rent too? Uh, yeah, at that time. Yeah. So then it hit me hard because he took half of his stuff back. Um, and then the clients that we had together and I had to kind of buy a whole slew of new things. To, so to were keep you going. like, so were you like, did you try to buy certain pieces that he had that you were used to, mm. or did you just start over with whatever you could afford? Yeah. It was kind of like starting over. Like I kind of have learned, learned from him a lot about what was good and what wasn't good. Even if it wasn't behind the same thing, I knew something that was comparable to that. Yeah. And, um, because he was a gearhead too. And I, and I kind of was, yeah. and I, I guess I still am. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think, listen, do you ever find yourself just going on Sweetwater for no reason? Oh yeah. <laughs> Especially when they call me out of the blue. <laughs> Yeah, like we just want to make sure you didn't want to spend five million dollars today. <laughs> yeah. I'll let you know what I do. I love Sweetwater though. Me too. But I feel like they'd be calling me sometimes just to remind me that I don't have enough money to buy their stuff. You know? Like, dang, man. It's like when you're a kid and you used to get the East Bay magazines. Yeah. And you're like, oh man, I'm about to get them shoes. <laughs> It's like Sweetwater pulls up, except they cost way more than them shoes. Yo, hey, oh, so I got to tell you this. Me and my wife had this debate. Right. She always buying shoes, right? Uh-huh. And I'm like, you don't never let me buy nothing. She said, my shoes are $100. That interface is $4,000. <laughs> and she ain't wrong, though. That's what's so hard about it. Because mine does the same thing. She like, you cannot compare Sweetwater to the Nike no. outlet. You can't do that. No, man, you can't. <laughs> but they send candy, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you the candy. <laughs> Brandon, that's hilarious. It's real life. It is. Yo, so, yo, we just had that debate. Like, man, you don't never let me get a bunch of gear, but you always buying shoes. She like, man, them prices ain't the same. <laughs> no, <Nah>, dude. <laughs> it's definitely different. Nah. So you start recording. The, so, okay. Let me get my mind back right because that was hilarious. <laughs> So you have to take over this studio by yourself. You yeah. have to replace So you have to replace the gear and build up new clientele? Yeah, that was tough. So, yeah, man, like that was a tough point in my life cuz I was like I had this big building and I had a couple of people that were booked. But then I had like a handful of people that were booked with me that weren't going to like leave me. They were they were still going to come yeah. record. But I didn't have the stuff to yeah. do it because like when i was when i'm recording these bands like you gotta think i'm using i'm using probably at least 12 microphones on a drum kit because i'm not going to do it any other way <laughs> you know like i want it to sound how i want it to sound sometimes you got to have lots of mics i'm not saying you can't make a drum kit sound good with one mic or two mics you know go on youtube and you, people will show you real quick that you can do it yes but for like the sound that i know that they wanted to get I was going to need to have at least 12 microphones. I was going to need to have this and this and this. And so, like, I basically got a job waiting tables um, at night, and I would just try and do what I could during the day with the music thing. Bro, you yeah. bro, you were willing to hustle for this music, though. Yeah, always, always have been. And, I mean, that's just, if you if you love something, then you'll hustle for it. And if you don't want to hustle for it, then you don't love it enough. Boom. A bar. Yep. 
I mean, people used to tell me, one of my mentors told me one time, like, you know, write down three things that you need to do today. And if you don't do them, then they weren't that important to you. I probably should follow that advice more. (laughs) I am not the guru that's practicing what I preach. But sometimes, you know. I'll be like, you know what? I need to do that. Today. Yes. I need to write down three things and I'm going to do all of them. Yeah, man. Because sometimes we get in a place, me and my wife have also talked about this, like you may proclaim a thing out of your mouth. Right. But your actions tell the story. Of something different. Yeah. <laughs> Every time. And it's like, how can you, how can you fix your mouth to be like, I love singing so much man i really love it i don't want to work a job i want to be an artist but it's like yeah you still ain't worked on your range yeah you still sing flat Mm -hmm. i think people love the idea of the escape but don't really want to put in the work to really do it yeah and you got to you have to man. no matter what it is that you want to do even if it ain't music gosh which i want to talk about but i'm not gonna go i'm not gonna get ahead of us okay so you replace the gear, mm-hmm. you get more clients. Yeah, I did. Did things start to look up then? Oh yeah. In fact, that's one of the things where like it just it worked out for the better. Oh. Yeah. And 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 that's one of the things, especially like you know, if you're a follower of God, which you have to go through a lot. Mm. You know what I mean? And that and it's tough. And and honestly, I've I've been kind of going through some things similar, just in different avenues besides music. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, man, you, you got You just got to kind of keep the faith because sometimes it, it looks like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. But then when you finally do see it, it's like, oh, man, why was I so worried about it? You know, bro, that is my sentiments. Exactly. It's like yeah. once you get through it or once you get to that light, it's like I really didn't have to trip as hard. Yeah. But I find myself now because I've peep game on the cycle of it mm-hmm. of how it works i have less anxiety yeah like i can still be like this sucks mm-hmm. but but you know <laughs> you don't know what it's going to be that gets you there or but you know it's going to get you know yes. you'll, you know you'll get there yes yeah so you're so you get the clients everything mm-hmm. is looking better yeah you're all in on production. Are you working on anything else once it gets back going? Yeah, there did there come there came a time where I had gotten enough and I was doing well enough to where I quit my my night Ooh, job. Yeah. How did that feel, it was dog? Great. It's like, all right, look, I've never been fired for any. I, I, when I go to work, no matter what it is, I try my best. You have everybody has bad days, yes, but I try my best to just do my best at whatever it is and be happy and nice to people, right? Yeah. And when you're working in that profession, I mean, people are like, you know, get angry with you when you're serving and stuff. Yeah, you got to kind of have a good attitude. But yeah, I, I told him I was like, man, I might walk in here and just like. I know I don't really like dislike anybody here. In fact, I love everybody here. But if I show up tomorrow and I act like I hate this place and I say I quit, just let me do it just so I can feel like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just so I can feel like I did something in my life where I could be like, screw, screw, this, screw this job. I don't need this job. You know what I mean? Even though I won't like that. <laughs> You just wanted to feel yeah, like that yeah. so you could tell the story. Yo, right. I walked up in that joint and quit today. Yeah. I, I made that money and I got back on track and I was like, screw this job. <laughs> but that's not how it went, though. But that's how I wanted it to go. 
So how did it really go? So it really went like this. Brandon, we're very proud of you. And uh, you have a job here if you ever need one in the future. Wow. Yeah, that's how it always goes. But that's just because, you know, sometimes you just have to work for for God. You know what I'm saying? Or, some, you know, more than yourself. Yes. You know? There's a, there's a whole lot of that in the Bible. Yes, yeah. man. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So yeah. you work in these jobs and you're doing the music and you work in the jobs. I want to talk about that because mm-hmm. it speaks to your character as a man. Yeah. And it speaks to your parents and your upbringing. So in your mind, are you thinking to be like intentionally nice or it's just who you are? No, I think it's just who I am. But I mean, like today, like I work in a whole different environment. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I work in a dentist office, right? Which is which uh, we have to talk yeah, about. Yeah, we that can talk about because that. Brandon is now working in a dentist yeah, office, which is crazy. <laughs> but every single day, like I have to take care of people, and not everybody comes to the dentist a happy person. Yeah. I would say the majority of them come in like just wishing they were anywhere else but there. Um, so it's like my job to make sure when you leave, like you're happy. Mm. That's hard to do sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Cause not, I don't always have them days where I wake up and I'm like, can't wait to go to work and look <laughs> in somebody's mouth. <laughs> like that don't happen every day. So you have to pretend or something. I don't, you just get through it. <laughs> Yo, Brandon is hilarious. But look, even if you're in the studio doing something you love, you still gonna have them days where yes. you have that client that's like, man, this client gets on my nerves. <laughs> or they'll just be making this little sound or something and you it drives you nuts. Anything. So I mean, it doesn't matter if it's in a dentist office or even yeah. if you work at a church. Yeah. You show up some days and you're gonna have a day where you're like, I just need to get home. You know? Like, I'm ready for this rehearsal to be over. <laughs> really? I'm ready for this. Like, yo, man, homegirl really tripping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yo. Yeah. So I got to ask you that. Yo, we all over the place. I don't care, though. Yeah, it's all right. So this whole time, yeah. are you serving in church? Oh, yeah. So See, we got to talk about yeah. that. So, like, even when I moved to Greensboro, that was probably when I went to the uh, the least amount of church, I guess, because I was just gone all the time. Yeah. But I would come back home and I would try to go visit the local churches around yeah. there until I found, I, I did find one up there that I kind of liked. But then when I moved back, I, I went right back to my home church. Um, Which is? Peace Church. Peace Church yeah. in the building. Yeah. yeah. Peace Church and uh, on Tillman Road in Wilson. Yeah. See us. Um, we will glad, be glad to have you no matter who you are. Or where you live. <laughs> Do you still play there now? Yeah, yeah. Yo, that's yeah. fire, man. Yeah, I love it. it. It's it's kept my like it's kept my musical itch in under control, you know? Yeah. Because I still am allowed to do a lot of music. Um and I don't ever like wake up wishing I could do more. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we gotta okay, this is a perfect segue. Yeah. Because you go through this, you become a full time producer. Mm-hmm. And then a shift happens. Mm-hmm. How does that shift happen? So, because I remember, okay, so yeah. let's tell the story. Yeah, go ahead. I met Brandon because Brandon was in the, were you coming out? How did we end up seeing each other? Oh, man. How did we meet? That, that, part oh, he wanted me to, I think Mr. Leader wanted me to see it, but you weren't gone. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He knew that I was leaving the place. Yes. Yeah. So the place that Brandon was talking about that he had to partner with and then ended up by himself, 
I ended we me, my wife and I ended up being the tenants, mm-hmm. but the um, owner of the building wanted us to see the building first. But Brandon wasn't gone, right. so I think you were in there. We met, you showed us the room, and it was kind of perfect because all my stuff was still in there, and it looked like a studio. <laughs> and that's I knew that's what you wanted to do, so you could even if you wanted to do it completely differently, at least you could see that what it's like as a studio. Yes, and you had it nice yeah. too. You had the panels up, man. Because yeah. once you move all this stuff out, it's just a room. Yes. You know? So, yeah. But that that where I was at then was, um, so I did have projects that were doing well. That's for sure. Um, I had this band out of Florida called Set It Off that ended up blowing up. Wow. And so after that album I did got really popular for that band, I started having more business. Yeah. Um, but... At the same time, the bands that were attracted to me and stuff because of the band I was in and the type of stuff I'd done previously, um, they were from all over the place, like not North Carolina. Right. You know? So like I'm I'm recording bands from Florida all the way up to New Jersey and then Chicago. And, and they're all, all traveling to Wilson. Right. That's crazy. That's another nugget for that's another nugget for people. Like just because you're from a small town yeah. doesn't mean anything. Like when you put in the work and mm-hmm. you have the gift to do what you do well, mm-hmm. people will come to you. Yeah, and honestly, it don't matter where you live at for real. Nah, man, the music business is is a massive networking scheme, like thing. Like, yes, like it's all about that. And so when you start getting those like relationships and you're building them up, you're gonna meet people from Chicago or Florida or L.A. And you know when you have somebody that you develop a good relationship with it's is it worth driving across the country yeah if you're gonna make an album that's 10 times better than the one you would have made 30 minutes from where you live then i would say you should put in the work to drive across the country yes man yeah you know that's a fact really like there's so many good producers out there that like when you're a up-and-coming artist or band you're going to hear something that you like and you're going to be like who did that yes and then when you do that you you feel more confident knowing this money I'm about to spend is going to get me what I need. Yes. Yeah. So and if I got to travel to go make yeah. sure I do it, and that's nothing. Yeah. If you want to be in the music business, traveling is a part of the business. <laughs> don't don't even want to be in the business if you don't want to travel. Yes, that's good. Yeah. I mean, nowadays, like if you you can do s- some things in the music business. By sitting at home and broadcasting like we're doing right now. Yeah. Like, no doubt. That didn't exist when I was coming up. Yeah. But still, man, you got to go places. You got to meet new people. Yeah. Or else you're just going to be around the same people all the time. Yes. So when you left the studio, you were still, you took your stuff home, right? That's right. And then how long did you work at home? So, I mean, technically, I still am kind of doing it at home. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I built, my console wouldn't fit in my house. (laughs) So, yeah. I still have it, though. Still have it. Well, you got it in storage. Yes, yeah, in storage. And you got a storage bill, man. Um, well, yeah. Well, I got. So I live out in the country. Yeah. And my storage building is just a building on my property. It's not necessarily like a climate controlled place. <laughs> <laughs> so you might go out there one day and it's like. I mean, I go out there and check on it from time to time. Just be like, oh right, yeah, it's still good. <laughs> you know. But I built. But all right. So back then, too, the digital age is just. It's come in right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been here for a long time now, mm-hmm. but I was I was kind of like in that era. hybrid era. It was a hybrid area, <coughs> and I, and I feel like 
if I if I built a brand new place, it would still be a hybrid era for me. Yeah, because that old analog tone sounds really nice and warm. Can you emulate it now with digital stuff? Yeah, you can, and and it, and they do it pretty well. Yeah, they do like UAD. Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I like Stephen Slate a lot. Yeah, okay? yeah. But UAD is great too. They do it just as well. Yeah. But um, I love the Stephen Slate stuff, but. Uh, I would still like to have that console just to run it for, as like preamps and, yeah. and, and, and because that has a good tone to it. Yes. Um, but yeah, you can mix everything in the box and it still sounds great. Yeah. But I still have a small setup at my house. Um, it's, it's similar to like this right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I built a desk like this mm-hmm. and just put all my rack gear in it. Mm-hmm. And so I have everything except my consoles not in the picture. Got you. So I, w- I want to see it too when we get off. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> So we can, um, it's kind of like my little work area slash studio. Yeah. So you're still working. You got the studio at home. Mm -hmm. Man, how you start working at the dentist's office? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So what? I remember when you told me like, yeah, like what is he doing? He was, um, hey, Brandon told me like, man, I think I'm about to, and I I could see the sadness all over your body. (laughs) Well, yeah, man. Like I was entering that. What do we say? We say we say seasons now, right? <laughs> yeah. I was entering a different season. And I didn't know how to feel about that weather that was coming my way. You know? So, like, yeah, it was just a point where, I mean, I guess it was kind of a little bit of a dark time. But um, I feel like at that point, there was it wasn't good for my life. All right. For my marriage, too. Like, I was I was at the studio. I'm the only person really that knows how to do the things that I needed to get done. You know, like I hadn't really met you yet. That would have been nice if you just showed up a little earlier, but like, I didn't know people that could edit drums, you know, like they didn't, I I knew them, but they didn't live near me. Right. And at that time, it's not like you can just share things now and like have some, like you can now. So, it was all on me, and I would yeah. be out. I remember there was nights where I slept there, nights where I I wouldn't leave till like three o'clock in the and morning. And you were married. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. that's the dead dad. Yeah, yeah, that is not. She didn't let that happen for too much longer. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, and that's another rule that you know a lot of people have is you should go to bed when your wife goes to bed. You know, and that's hard to do when you're a musician because a lot of times your mind don't stop. Yes. When they are ready to go to sleep. Yes. So there was a little bit of that. Um, I started to have um, more kids, okay, and I needed to build. So in the beginning, how long were you in your studio compared to the timeline of getting married? Mm -hmm. When did you? What year did you get married? I got married in 2011. Okay, Um, and I my my studio was probably like 2013, maybe. Okay, so um, 2012 or 2013. I put it this way, my wife's dad is really good, like carpenter. Like he's mm-hmm. really good at building stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I relied on him to show me how to build walls and mm-hmm. build that whole inside of the place because I had to do that all by myself. Brandon, that was one room. It was one. It was it was horrible when it when I first got it. It was Brandon turned that place yeah. into two studios. Yeah, basically. and a lounge area. Mm-hmm. And it was like. Yeah, and before it was just a big open like tattoo parlor. Yeah, they didn't even have like rooms. It was just like open, so I had to build walls and I had to turn it into. But I didn't know how to do any of that because I never really done any of that before. Um, my dad uh, didn't 
do that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so, but my wife's dad, totally a, that kind of guy. Yeah. And he'd, he'd come over on his lunch break and be like, this is how you do this. This is how you do that. I'll see you when I get off and good luck. <laughs> yeah. And so um, I had a little bit of help from that guy that was my partner for a little, um, mm-hmm. for a little while. But yeah, we had to build that place, man. So it was crazy. Like having to learn how to do all that. And for the first, when did y'all have the y'all first child? Mm, so, let's see. When I first opened that studio, and and this is, I guess, where I was going with this. My father-in-law would show me how to do everything. Um, but I remember when he was showing me how to do this stuff, I was like, I got to talk to you. Mm. And that was about Mary and his daughter. Yeah. This is good. And I remember. So, his, she's just your girlfriend. Right. But it's your girlfriend's dad helping you build a studio. That's right. And you're like, he's gonna come in here one day, and he's gonna be putting a hammer. Yeah, and that, and I was like, just be like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like what? I mean, because it was just me. It was the only time it was just like me and him. Yeah. And then, and I remember we were out front uh-huh. for some reason where the glass window was. Yes. And I remember being like, yeah, we need to get together. And he's like, yeah. I was like, no, I just got something I want to talk to you about. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, it's about me and Marlo. And he was like. Oh, oh, like you could tell, like, like he looked like white as a sheet, man. Like all the color left him. Like it was like, he was like, <laughs> but it was cool, man. He, he's yeah. awesome. He's like my second dad. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, but that I had, so I was, didn't have any kids when I started. Yes. And so then I ended up having my first, um, daughter and, it started to get kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. And then I had my second daughter and I was like, Oh, we're going to need to, we're going to need to provide a little more. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so to me, then it just became about providing no matter what. Yes. Yeah. And so even if it means, yeah, even if it meant that that's not what I did full time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Did you wrestle with that? Oh, dude, yeah, of course, like, for a, for a while. Yeah. And um, because my whole goal when I was not in the band anymore was to still be a part of music yeah. as my main thing. Yeah. And um, and so that's how I ended up going into dentistry. So Whose idea was it for you to go into dentistry? Well, it was my idea, but I was definitely influenced a lot. <laughs> so, and not by somebody that wanted me to do it. Like, so, yeah, growing up in my dad was a dentist. Okay. 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 This is good. Yeah. So, okay. I see where we're going. So that happens. Okay. My dad's a dentist. <laughs> so um, I got to see how it benefited our family so much. He was always at my ball games. He was always on the weekends. He didn't have to work night shifts. He, we had, we had enough. I mean, when I was a kid, it was a little bit different. When I got older, I could see that he was doing very well for himself and which translated to doing well for me, you know? Mm. And so I saw how much potential dentistry could give a family. But at that point, I didn't yet fall in love with it. Mm -hmm. Um, I, when I left the studio, I had a job working for an insurance company and I did insurance for like a year. Mm -hmm. And I was right away, I was like, I was good at it, but I was like, do I really want to do this every single day for the rest of my life type thing? And I was like, no, 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 I can't do it. I do not. (laughs) Um, So then I was going to a job interview of a client that I had from the insurance and they asked me, um, I I did all of their insurance 
And they asked me to basically come work for them to be uh, head of the sales department at this company. And I was like thinking about it. And on my way up there, man, it was just like me and God were talking. And uh, my entire life, I said I was never going to be a dentist. And then it was just like the idea was implanted in my head and my heart that I couldn't shy away from. And the whole way to the interview, I'm thinking about it. So I'm about to go take another job. And I'm thinking, man, I don't know if I want to do this. Wow. And I got there and I was like, for the interview. And I'm like, I want to thank y'all for letting me come here today. Wow. But I'm going to respectfully decline because I think I need to go back to school to be a dentist. And I thought they were going to laugh at me and say I was crazy. Um, but then the guy was like, I think that's a great idea. Because he knew me, and he knew yeah. he, he knew my he knew my my family background in dentistry, and so um, also my wife is a dental hygienist. So, wow. Okay. So yeah. so it's that, all in my family. Dude. Yes. Yeah. And um, after you got over the hump of accepting the pivot, mm-hmm. did you become cool with it? Yeah, and I think it's because I found out how much music and dentistry. This sounds crazy, but how how intertwined they can be if you think about it. Okay, talk about it. Okay. So when I was touring, I used to have people come up to me, and they'd be like, man, this song you wrote saved my life. Like, they'd be like, I was getting ready to commit suicide, man, and I don't know, for whatever reason, your song came on, and it just put me in a better place, and I'm I'm just like, wow, you know, holy, holy. And there's definitely like an aspect of music where you have to learn how to talk to people, no matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert. Yeah, you gotta you gotta be good at it because you know when people get a bad um, rap about being an artist, it's a lot of times because like a fan came up and they just want to say what's up and get an autograph or whatever, and it's easy for that person to just blow them off because they do it, they get that every day, right? Well, in music. Like my thing was I had to learn how to really be good with people because if I wasn't, I didn't eat because the only way that I got from the next town to the next town was selling CDs and T-shirts and we slept in parking lots, you know what I'm saying, in in a van with like seven dudes in a nasty van and I was eating, there was a time where I was eating like like beanie weenies and, and Vienna sausages. Vienna sausages, bro. <laughs> I lived off of crackers and Vienna sausages for a long time. That was a lot. Well, I was a lot skinnier back then too. <laughs> I might need to do it again. But that's how much. Like that, it kind of goes back to what we were saying before. Like if you love it, yes, and you want it, yes, then you will do it, yes, no matter what, no matter what, yeah, no matter what. And so that's just kind of. I don't know. Getting you good? I got you. You yeah. you were you were telling me how dentistry mm-hmm. and um, music yeah. is intertwined. So I'm I'm having to go up to people to try and sell CDs so that we can get a hotel room and have food. Yeah. And so I did that every day. Like yeah. I would fill up my book bag when we had days off, and I went to the malls, Ooh. and I would just and I sold them. And so the thing is, is like in dentistry now, I'm coming in and I'm talking to these patients, and I'm having to make them feel comfortable. I'm having to let them know that I'm here for them, not to try and get anything out of them. Yes. I'm just here for them, and that's it. And I just want to make them better than they were when they got there. And there is a lot of hands-on 
stuff that I like. You know, I used to have to sit there and work on my guitars and fix them all the time. And it's really, I got something in my hands fixed. I'm just fixing something else. And and so when you when you have that feeling that somebody comes to you for something and they're in need, you know, and you can fulfill that need for them, that's a good feeling, you know. And I definitely get that out of dentistry. And it's been a tough road so far, but uh, it's it's one that I just don't feel like I can quite give up on, you know. Mm. And so. you know what it made me. You know what it made me think about. I've never thought about this before until I um, heard you talking about it. You can have one purpose and different professions. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, and I think that's why I've been. It hasn't been as hard for me. Yeah. Because. I don't have like whatever music was for me that made me want to get up every day and grind to my wits end to get. Yes. Like I can still do that. Just I can get all of those feelings now that I got for music doing something like a lot of times people think when you become a musician that music defines everything about who you are. Right. And sometimes I, I fall into that, too, because people know me because of music. And so the people see me as a musician, and I always will be, but we're all a whole lot more than that, you know, like real talk. Yes, and do you feel like, did dentistry um, reveal different parts of yourself that you had not discovered? Yeah, it definitely did. Um, uh, I think it just made me feel more like I can be myself no matter where I am, not just on stage. Woo! Yeah. That's heavy. Yeah. Like, I can be myself in here, and everything that I learned along the way can help me here, too. Ooh! Yeah. It don't just have to help me when I'm on stage or when I'm with my musician friends. Yes! Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, like you said, man, you're still serving people. Yeah. You're still taking care of people. And that part, the first part you said, yeah. the serve. That's what I like to do. Yeah. And now I'm just doing it a little bit differently. Yes, man. And I still play enough music to where I play enough. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I play all the time, really. Yeah. So now now this past year, I will say, was really cool because my band got back together. I saw that, yeah. boy. And we did it, and it was so much fun. Yes. We um we ended up doing two shows. We did a surprise show one the night before the show we had booked, and we didn't tell anybody about it until the night before and we just announced it online to see how many people would come and we probably had about mm, 80 to 100 people that's good they just showed up out of nowhere um but then the next night we had about 600 people yes yeah and it it was like it's like we never stopped yes man so it was fun yes and i think we might do maybe we'll do some more of that that's fire yeah that's fire we've talked about recording maybe some new stuff too and we might do that yeah but um as far as like if you if you really really want to try and do it for real in music yes you got to go 110 every single day because somebody else is and so for me like i don't i don't have to i don't feel that need anymore you know i've kind of done a whole lot of what i set out to do yes you have bro and so my advice to anybody that is trying to do that is you got to wake up every day and think, even if it's like on a Saturday when you're trying to chill, like what's one thing I can do? One thing. What's one? 
because my mindset back when I was trying to make it in a band, man, it was just like constant every day, every single day. Yes, yes, yes. Because somebody, there's always other people that want the same thing, and they're out there, and you can't let them. It's like Kobe, (laughs) you know? You can't let them outwork you, man. You can't, bro. Mm -hmm. You can't, man. Mm -hmm. And um, that is true, like, there are people out here grinding, man. Yeah. Um, there are people out here doing what they do in circumstances that are not as fortunate as yours. Because mm-hmm. we could get to the place where I don't know this person. Yeah. I don't have this piece of gear. Yeah. Therefore, this is why I don't work as hard. Yeah. And then there's there's people like whose laptops got cracks in their interface, barely work, shortage in the cord, and going crazy. Yeah. And right, and getting it done. <laughs> and 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 but that's the thing is like. People with the nicest stuff at some point, they were the people with the cracks in the cords too. Like one thing I don't like is when people say it must be nice. Mm. When somebody's like, man, it must be nice. Like, no, it must have been nice when you were asleep and I was up grinding to try to make it happen. Yeah. It must have been nice to sleep then. And I love to sleep. My wife is going to see this. She's like, no, you like to sleep. But when I, but you know, when you have that mindset of you got to make it, you're trying to make it. You got. There's no time to Jeez. to not do something. Hey, Brandon, dropping gems. <laughs> so speaking of your wife, I did want to talk about your wife and your children. I have two questions. Mm-hmm. They're basically the same question, okay. but it's pertaining to your wife and your children. What is one thing that you learned as a producer mm-hmm. that helped you as a husband? Wow, that's that's a crazy question. Let's see. One thing that helped me as a producer. Patience, patience, yeah. Because when you're a producer, you gotta have patience. Yes. Because there's there's always you always gonna have those people that you just jive with and you click with, and it's like you don't even have to really talk about what you want to do because they're on your wavelength. You know, <laughs> man, if they could always be like that, <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> Facts. Yeah. Facts. Some, some days you just work and. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday to hope Thursday and Friday. <laughs> Hurry up. So in your journey to patience, patience with your wife, mm-hmm. what has it been? Because, of course, it's just like every day is not great. Mm-hmm. But how does it feel knowing that you like, you like, okay, slow down, Brandon. Yeah. Pace yourself, buddy. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. It's like with patience, look – when you when you marry somebody, you know you're you're literally they become your teammate, but they came from a different team than what you're used to playing on, and you got to figure out. It's like if you got traded. I'm I'm not trying to make everything about basketball, but it's Let's so go. but it's so easy to right. <laughs> you know, yes. It's, if when you get traded, the other team is a whole different state, yeah, right. whole different culture, right. whole different playing style, yeah. a different co- everything, is everything. Different. Yeah, and you got to figure out how to make it work. And I mean, and you can have the coolest wife in the world, which I do. Yeah. But at first, you you got to learn how to live together, and that requires patience. Yes. And that and the thing is, is like I would have some bands come in, and some of the younger bands that maybe hadn't worked with a lot of producers before, they 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 always have that mindset of like, no, we're going to do exactly how I'm envision this happening. And as a producer, you're taking what they're giving to you. And you're like, okay, how can I make this better for these people so that when we do finish it, 
they're like, wow, I didn't think it could be that good. Yes. You know? But you got to relay that information without coming across like you know more than them or like, or like you're better than them. And so you have to kind of build up a little bit of a relationship with these people at first so they'll trust you. Yes. Yeah. Let me tell you what's funny about that. As you're painting that picture, I'm thinking about me and my wife, and I'm like, yeah. Like, you can make the situation better mm-hmm. without, I'm the man, we're going to do what I say, because I know what's best. Yeah. You do not have to do that. I know, I know. <laughs> no, especially with my, if I do that, <laughs> boy, I'd be like, can I sleep here tonight? <laughs> Marlo would be like, oh, no. No. She's like, you can stay there. <laughs> so that's good. Like, the training thing, that's crazy. Yeah. Or And then the idea of, being in a place like with your wife, your wife comes to you as her own person, her own set of experiences. Mm-hmm. And then y'all come together and y'all figure out how to make y'all already had two separate lives. Yeah. You're coming together to start a new life and you ask yourself like, okay, what can I do to enhance this life? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are my contributions? What are my gifts? How do I change my communication style? What do I need to learn to accept? Mm-hmm. How do I communicate on what's good, what's not good? Babe, I like this, but try this. The same way you yeah. would in the studio. Like, right. Yeah. I hear you, but what about yeah. this? And it's all about how you communicate it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, because you can try to tell your wife the same exact thing, but you say it in just a little bit of a different way, and you are done. <laughs> right? Yes. And it's just like, man, I just want her to... I really just want this to end up being all great. So, Lord, help me tell her in the right way right now. Yes. So, now I want to ask you a question about your children. Uh huh. Okay. What is something that you've learned before having children through the whole musical journey that helped you as a father? Hmm. Man. All right. Every band member is different. (laughs) Yeah. Brandon made for this. Every kid is different (laughs) and it is up to you and how you learn to what kind of relationship you want to have. This boy boy is a father. Yeah. He's trying to figure out. Yeah. I'm still figuring it out still. So now my, my kids are awesome kids. Yeah. Okay. Let's go there. They've got a good mama teaches them. Um, I try to be a good dad. They've got good grandparents. They got good support everywhere. Right. They really kind of got it made, if you think about it. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter how big the house is or what car you drive in. If if the home is a good home, that's really what you, you're looking for, right? And so I feel like I've learned that in order to keep that home as good as you can, you do have to learn about the people inside of your home. And even if – because your kids are constantly changing because they're constantly getting older, like like – we just saw yeah with yours right yes like i hadn't seen her since she was like this tall and now it's just like no she's a whole nother person (laughs) you know and yeah she's probably got a little bit of 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 this person inside of her but she had this much room to fill it up with a new kind of person and so that's the hard part is is realizing oh man this year they're like when they're young it's easy to know because they say some new words you ain't never heard before like some hard words to say, like, I don't know, my, my son, he's only six. He's, I don't remember what it was that he said, but he used some word like literally the other day. 
And I'm like, you ain't never said that before. <laughs> well, when did you, when did you, when did you learn, when did you learn that? <laughs> I know you're in kindergarten. Somebody's got to teach you, but um, you've never had this conversation where you said that word. And now I'm just, it, it just, it's like a little check that, man, they're growing up. Yeah. And so the point is, is that every one of mine are different and you got to be a different kind of parent to each one in the way that you parent or discipline. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm still me to all three of them, but yes. I can't discipline my oldest the way that I have to do my middle child yes. because they don't react the same way. If it, it doesn't work the same and really it's your job as a parent to figure out how, what works because I mean, I just got, I just got beat, you know, <laughs> a good beat, not a bad beat, but I got whooped. And, you know, and I'm not saying there's a lot of differences on opinions on that these days. I tend to side to side with, well, it worked for me. It'll work for you. <laughs> yeah. But, but that doesn't always work. No, nah, man, Brandon. it don't. It don't. That's because sometimes whooping a child can make them retreat. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll be worse off than when you started. Yeah. And that's one thing that I've had to learn. So like with my oldest, she's probably been disciplined that way, maybe less than she can count on one hand and I, there's no need to because she don't need like it doesn't change anything <laughs> she's already she's figured that out that i don't want that ever again and i'm never going to do anything to do that where my middle child it was just like man my hand hurts <laughs> like it's hurting me now more than it's hurting you so we gotta do something different yeah and so that's when i just had to try and figure out like maybe I need to sit down and have like little talks with her instead. And I think she responds to that a little more when you get on her level and you make her look you in the eye and you just have a conversation. Sometimes that helps. Yes. Yeah. And I ain't trying to get on here and say you should or you shouldn't whoop. And then that that's, that's you between you. But I will say that no matter what is your parenting style, you should realize that you might have to have a different style with a different kid. Yes. My wife is back there loving what Brandon's saying because yeah. this sounds like her talking. <laughs> it's so good, though. Y'all, yeah. this has been amazing. Yeah. This is my boy, Brandon Ham. Thanks for being here, dog. Dude. This was amazing. It's a pleasure for me, too. Hey, we're going to see y'all next time. Peace.